Thank you for listening to the Old English D podcast. New episodes are live every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe and follow to keep up to date on all the new episodes. And as we always say, go Tigers. is up everyone welcome to the old english da detroit tigers podcast i'm one of your hosts casey as always joined by josh how are you doing this week my friend we're doing pretty good we are uh we're here we're active we're trying to be uh have a little bit of energy this evening it's been a very busy monday for me but how are you doing buddy I'm i'm doing all right i uh i did a weird life thing today i, I purchased a new car and by purchased a new car, I mean just uh, rented a new vehicle for three years because they have me in that whole uh, that whole ordeal. It, it makes zero sense. Just like the, the state of the economy that we're in and like how highly valued used cars are and like payment, what payment would be on my like, you know, if I bought out my lease versus just getting a brand new car. Like it makes zero sense that like it's cheaper for me financially to to just lease a brand new vehicle rather than purchase my old one. I know it's not financially sound, like in the long term. I get that, but you know, like you know, like my dad says, you know, you're only young once. You uh, you only get to have vehicles like this once. I kind of got you know a little sporty, a little sporty action. You know, I, eventually I'm gonna have to have, you know, the soccer dad van the way down the line. I mean, you're you're close to having that. You know, I mean, you, I know you have a truck, but you have an SUV, so. We kind of changed up the change up the car thing today, so that's been kind of fun. Um, other than that, nothing nothing too crazy. Watched a very uh, lackluster Tigers game, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. What what was your busy Monday looking like? Oh, you know, it started out as one does at a new job, watching training videos for hours on end. Oh, you got oh. the videos? I didn't know. I didn't know they had the videos ready for you. Oh, this is the very very basic drivers you know if i want to drive a company vehicle this is how we have to drive and it's 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 the very basic stuff that put your hands at 10 and 2 and don't be on your cell phone and that kind of thing do do your company vehicles have the the cool and i i say cool lightly uh how is my driving sticker on the back uh i believe our delivery van does dang it i want to tail Uh, you and give you a survey (laughs) I mean, if if all goes well, I'll be driving my own vehicle for work. Mm, okay, okay. So this yeah, is just like a once in a while if you need to drive a company car. Okay, okay. What what other training videos are we looking at? Oh, how to identify safety concerns in the workplace, like slips, trips, and falls, and that that kind of thing. Mm. It, it it truly is subriveting stuff. Let me tell you. I, I believe it's, it. It's it's not interesting how, whatsoever. How, how often do you wear a hard hat? Uh, I was issued one. If that's <laughs> issued. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I thought this was just like a one size fits all thing. Does it have your name on it? Oh no, it has the it has the company name on it, and it's it's mine to to use, you know, as needed. I mean, I wore it today. If that wow helps okay. you. Yeah, yeah. So maybe like a once a week kind of thing, or a few times a week kind of thing. 
it's not comfortable. So no, I truly no, no. hope that it's not that often. That's fair. That's fair. I feel like the the hard hat's kind of a a statement. You know, it's kind of a, a fashion statement. Um, not saying that you're like the guy in charge, but you know that if you're the guy wearing the hard hat, and then also like a you know like a button down shirt or just like a polo and and that kind of thing, you're like you kind of are the guy in charge. Is that is that am I saying that? It, it well? definitely signals that. You know, you may be in charge of something, but you also probably have no idea what the actual work is that's going on at the same time. So kind of, kind of singles you out as, you know, he's probably not as smart as he looks. There are so. a lot of project manager, quote unquote, memes that, that pop up in my various For You pages. That it is pretty funny. I, have you seen these since you've taken on this uh, this role? I, I actually haven't. It's kind of funny that they've reached you, but not me. Right, yeah, it's the weirdest thing. But it is, like, all of them are like, so this is what the project manager does when he just acts like he knows what he's talking about. And this was what the project manager does when he's directing people who he's never done their job for. And it's like, this is probably spot on. I don't know if it actually is, but I, I like to think that you you are stepping on a lot of toes. But it's kind of your job, so I don't know. I haven't had to tell anybody what to do yet. And I'll Oh, it's it. coming. It's coming. <laughs> it, it's happening. I, I've, um, I've been told it's quite, it's quite a big lead out to <laughs> being anywhere near important, which I'm, I am glad. I'm That's glad. fair. That's fair. Well, of course, uh, you know, we are, we are going to try our hardest to keep it together, to talk about these uh, wonderful last week of, of Tiger Games and, and some other things, too, we got on the docket because, of course, uh, every week we come together and we talk about the Tigers, our favorite organization in baseball, on the Old English D podcast. If uh, you're wondering where to get us and, and where to listen to us and maybe have some social interaction, of course, we're on social media. We are on all of the podcast listening apps and whatever device you want to listen to. We're, we're device agnostic over here, you know, in, in, in <laughs> podcast listening agnostic. We do not have any um, sort of partnerships or any kind of qualms with any, if you like iHeartRadio, we're on iHeartRadio. I haven't touched an iHeartRadio app in whew, maybe 10 years probably, but we're there. We're there if you need us. Um, and of course, obviously on the Spotify's and the Googles and all that good stuff. But to start out this week... Man, what a difference a week can make. I feel like last week we talked a little bit about how excited we were, how much the offense was clicking, and now we're into this week, almost into September, last pot of August. Man, we we are down bad. We just are fresh off a loss, 4-1, to one, to the New York Yankees, kicking off that series, our last home series for the week. And it, it was a rough one to watch. So we're gonna we're gonna point out some highlights, some lowlights, whatever it may be. But uh, the important things: uh, we are now fifty nine and seventy two overall in the year, and we are three games back of second place. Not three games back of first place, of course. Uh, I think I think from now on we're gonna start uh, chasing the second place tier. We're gonna we're gonna because we're like nine games back of of the Twins. They're probably gonna win the Central. Whatever, who cares? But if we get that second place, maybe we can turn some heads, Josh. Maybe we can maybe we can look at this as a win, just a little bit. Still not sure how we're going to get to 70 wins with this team, but I digress, whatever it may be. Uh, we lost a series to the Cubs. We had pretty much known that at our last time of recording. 
um, that we were not going to fare too great in that series, whether or not we were going to split it or not, we were, or whether or not we were going to win it or not, rather, I should say, uh, was a different story. We felt pretty confident because Scooble was going, uh, did not, did not end up happening. The Cubs took that series and then we lost a very lackluster series to the Astros. So again, some low lights that we can probably just kind of, you know, pass over, but there were some pretty intriguing highlights. So Josh, where do you want to start with this last week of games? I know for you and I case that this last week has felt uh, demoralizing. Um, and, and a couple things to, I think that we both need to keep into perspective uh, about this last week of games. Uh, we did go two and four. If I'm if my math is serving me right, minus minus tonight, I guess we're two two and five. We we did win a couple games. Uh, for a while, for for a little bit there, I was feeling sort of like beginning of June, eleven losses in a row, esque. But we have to remember a lot of this feeling comes from the last three days when we've gotten kind of smoked, get lost nine to two to the Astros, seventeen to four to the Astros, and then, like you said tonight, four to one to the Yankees. But something to kind of keep in perspective, uh, if you take out the one seventeen to four blowout game against Houston, in our last week of games, we've scored four uh, over four runs a game, and we've only allowed just over five runs a game. So we've been playing some pretty close baseball, especially against the Cubs. All of those games were close, even the ones we lost, and you know, even tonight it. This game felt a lot closer than it probably ended up looking on the on the scorecard. And the only other thing I had is in August we're still twelve and twelve. We're still hitting uh, five hundred. Well, I guess guess we're now twelve and thirteen. But uh, still hanging around five hundred for the month. Still trying to battle back from that horrendous June. And it you, we just have to. If we're going to have any sort of positivity at all with this baseball team, it's going to be on the moments, the awesome moments that happen along the way, and it's going to be trying to keep everything in perspective about where a lot of people had this team. A lot of people had this team finishing last in this division, and we're talking still, as bad as the division may be, we're still talking about the Tigers being the third or second best team in the division. So that's still something to talk about, but... Man alive, was it fun to watch Parker Meadows' first Major League home run? What what did what did what do you think about that? Whoo! Just almost no words. Like like that happens, and and you know you put it in perspective and a little bit of context, right? Like one, it's the Astros, great baseball team. Two, it's Ryan Presley, fantastic closer, and three, it's two outs in the ninth where we're already whimpering. Right. Like we, 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 this is a safe situation that Ryan Presley has seen a billion times before and he'll see a billion more times. He will probably never have an instance like this again. And oh, yeah, I mean, you have a great hitter up with two outs in Miguel Cabrera, but he's not the Miguel Cabrera of 2012 or 2013. Right. This is a very different Miguel Cabrera. And you know that pretty much anywhere on the ground, you're, you're going to get a, a, an out to first base and the game's over. And nope, just a sneaky little single to keep things alive. And then, you know, we really spark something. Now, granted, it was one to zero, right? That That is always the thing where it's like one swing of the bat, 
a bloop and a blast, especially when you're home, right? That That is home field advantage where you have the chance to, with one out uh, remaining in the game, to really make a difference and and try to, to win a baseball game, even when you were really not deserving of that win, period. Um, and then, yeah, chaos ensues for, for Ryan Presley. Um, it was one of those starts where it was like, okay, he, or sorry, one of those saves, rather, you know, he's in control, you know, quick outs in the ninth, and then Miggy comes up, gets a seeing-eye single, fantastic, and then McKinstry, of all people, gets another single, at this point, AJ was out of the game, if I'm remembering correctly, because mm-hmm. there was a whole lot of insane, terrible uh, pitch clock snafus happening where they really should have called a pitch clock violation um, on uh, who was starting that game. Um, I Valdez. Forget, or what, Valdez. But was it Valdez? I can't remember if it was Valdez or if there was a different. I think uh, it, it was, was uh, Montero. I think it was Montero. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I just remember Javi just standing there and and like, what do you do as a batter in that moment? You're like, well, what what the heck? Like like clearly it was zero zero, and you're just gonna not call it. Now I know they have the vibration packs. I know they have the shock packs or whatever, so they're not really looking in, at that. But it's like, at some point you got to be a human, you know? Like I, I like, it clearly is zero, and you're just gonna not call it. Um, when so many other umpires have been so diligent about it the entire year. And then that's they've been told to, you know, they've been told to really enforce this. So that was unfortunate. AJ goes out, protects his guy. Uh, Javi was, was spitting at the, was spitting at the ump a little bit. And so then AJ goes out, tries to figure things out, eventually gets thrown out of the game, gets his money worth. Um, and then, and, and really what was interesting about that is you have a dynamic situation in the ninth where you already have, um, you know, one catcher who's on the bench who has already batted and is not coming around for a long time. And defensively, it makes zero sense to pinch run Miggy for Carson Kelly. But once he gets to second, you kind of have to, right? And and so, like, you know, that the, there is a chance to potentially tie up the game. He's our last remaining bench player. We've got to do something here to get some legs under under uh, whoever's at second. So they pinch run, and then Javi, for some reason, in like the same exact kind of thing that happened uh, when he tied up the game a few nights ago against the Cubs, um, broken bat single. I know he had a broken bat double when he was against the Cubs, but still broken bat single, most random thing ever, just a little blooper, and that scores Carson. So, you know, fantastic, one-to-one. Um, we're, we're rolling at that point, you know, you kind of feel satisfied, right? We, we've, we've Mm -hmm. definitely done the thing we've done all year where we're playing to the final out. We know that this team doesn't really give up. That's something to, to very positively look forward to, but look who's up and it's just the storybook writes itself. And, and these moments, it it always brings me back to the quote of, you know, how can you not be romantic about baseball? You know, and and that's from, it's, it's from Moneyball, but it's been said for a long time. And I don't even know when the first time it was said, but it, it truly is. How can you not be romantic about these moments where you have a kid who has yet to get his first RBI, let alone home run. He, he was still in line for his first RBI. He's been hitting very well. And, and even after this, now he's really picked it up. He's cemented himself as a, as a force in the lineup, at least for the last week and a half. But this is pre first RBI. 
And so we're just looking for some potential for him to, to do something. I think if I'm remembering correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there was a runner on third, right? It was first and third. It was McKinstry on third, and Javi was at, at – uh, or no, it was, maybe it was first and second. It was first and second, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't remember that Well, no, 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 sorry. No, no, no. It was – no, McKinstry was definitely on third. I think it was second and third. I think it was second and third because remember when – moved up on the throw. On the throw, the exactly. Yes, yep, yep. yep. And then, You're totally and then correct. There's, yeah, and then there's that shot of McKinstry just with his arms up at, at third base. So, yes, yeah, second and third. So, even just a base hit gets it done. You know, we win the game on just a base hit. Um, but Parker wasn't going to settle for, for just a base hit. So, yeah, of course, Parker Meadows is up. New kid on the block. Let's see what he can do. And the thing to kind of keep you ground is it's still Ryan Presley. You know, minus mm-hmm. minus his woes the last, you know, 10 or 12 pitches or whatever, he's still a great closer, and this is still a rookie. And we have a veteran who's been in this situation plenty of times before who knows how to get his team back in the dugout. And then there's just a new kid on the block who who has never seen a situation like this. But man, when he sees that hanging slider, and and he recognizes it, and he did the same thing in his first game where he you know he hit a high fly ball that just didn't have enough carry, but he has this uppercut swing that you know for for better or worse it probably leads to some swing and miss for sure. But he's got launch on that bat. And uh, thankfully, we didn't even have to make a comment about Nuke America because this was going to be out no matter what. But he launches this thing so high in the air. And it, it definitely leaves you like, is it was it gone? But, you know, he pimped it a little bit. He, he knew that that, thing, that that thing was gone. And lights go out. They, of course, have the awesome light show. You know, he gets Gatorade showered, shaving cream showered. It, it was the perfect moment to to you know, bring him to the majors and, you know, really have him be this, this is his arrival and this is, this is his, uh, you know, coming home party or whatever. But what, what were your thoughts when, when that you saw him, uh, recognize that slider and then take a deep? Man, it's one of those moments where, first of all, it, it's hilarious because Alex called it as we were sitting on the couch watching. She's like, I, I said something to the effect of, wow, all he has to really do is just get the ball through the infield. And she's like, or you could just hit a home run. And I was like, yeah, that's not how life works. Like that's not how the Tigers organization. This is this yeah. is not. <laughs> you clearly haven't been married to me for long enough to understand that that's just not how how it's going to happen here. And and it, and it was the next pitch, and he hit it out. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. Uh, second, my second thought, and this is the most random thing ever. AJ Hinch is in the clubhouse. I just right. want to be on the fly in the wall to watch his reaction to right. that. Because knowing AJ, it probably wasn't super uh, animated. Yeah, I don't think whatsoever. it was like, you know, relating back to Moneyball, I don't think it was the Brad Pitt, and he is obviously not a manager in that movie, but he's a general manager. And when, uh, when um, what's his name? Hatterberg. Hatterberg, thank you. Um, when Hatterberg hits that homer to, to send the A's to, you know, 20 wins or whatever. Um, I, I, he just throws his fist up in the air. He's super excited. I don't know if it was that kind of moment for AJ, but yeah. It just the odd things that go through my mind in that moment, but so cool to watch. And, and he knew he got all of it too. And just to see him be able to soak it in, his family was there, which is so cool. Uh, and it kind of leads to a, a bigger point about even just the whole situation. 
Parker Meadows has looked very, very comfortable in the major leagues. In his limited action, we understand that, and we're not saying that he's the next coming of, you know, whoever, Cody Bellinger, or whatever outfielder you want to name that's hits left-handed. Ronald Acuna. Oh, well, okay. Well, you ruined that for me. But I was going to say Ronald Acuna Jr., but yeah, fair enough. True. But he looks comfortable on defense in center field in one of the trickier outfields to play because it's so big. He looks quite comfortable. Earlier that same game, he robbed a homer from, was it Tucker? I think it was Kyle Tucker. He robbed a home run from Mm -hmm. in center. No, it was Jordan. Sorry, Jordan. Uh, Yeah, yeah, Jordan. Uh, He's looked very, very comfortable. He's made some really nice plays. He already has, I thought I saw somebody say he already has three defensive runs saved in his limited time in center field, which is pretty incredible. Uh, And then at the plate, I mean, he's taking walks. He's looking very very confident at the plate like he knows what he's looking for he knows the approach he wants to have at the plate and it's something i wanted to bring up a little later as well but and we can get into it at some point in this podcast but scott harris said very clearly right after i think it was right when he called when they called meadows up that they're not going to rush guys just because they can contribute in one area to this team you know, take, you know, whatever you want to say about the way that Scott Harris is handling these youngsters and these prospects, the point stands that Parker Meadows has looked very, very capable in in a major league uniform. And of course, the league's going to adjust to him. He's going to have some struggles, whether it happens this year or early next year, whichever. But the guys that we've been waiting to see in the major leagues when they've come up guys like Reese Olsen guys like Parker Meadows they've come up and they've produced and they've and they've looked comfortable doing it and I think that's something to to kind of hang on to going forward that you know maybe these guys don't get called up as soon as we want them to be but rest assured when they come up they're going to be prepared as well as they could be yeah I think Scott really likes AAA I think he really likes having like a second major league team just waiting in the wings because there's there's a lot of talent down in AAA even right now. I mean it's going to continue to to get better, but I would say he's you know kind of holding his gems and kind of holding his pieces like you know let, let's see what we kind of have and and see how how much we can really uh, smooth over some some rough patches for for a lot of these guys. I I think the one argument that of course you know this has been brought up. A, 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 couple times on Tiger's Twitter or whatever but you know the one argument against that is the Kerry Carpenters of the world where you know old regime um it was actually funny I saw it uh, I think Evan Woodbury of MLive tweeted it but uh a few weeks ago but you, you know Kerry Carpenter debuted on the same day that Al Avila got fired really yeah same day same exact day he he was it was the final call up of that regime and then that same day they let Alavila go that's crazy it, I know this is insane um but it you know it it paid off right where I mean he did not look great in the outfield right I mean you know it's taken him a solid year to to really get his legs under him and, and feel like he has some competency out in, uh, in in right field is where he's really settled in. So his bat needed to play, though, and it did. You know, and, and, and I mean, mm-hmm. it was ready to play. And so would you take, mm, I mean, wh- how many homers did he hit last year? I think he hit just shy of, you know, eight or nine or just shy of ten or whatever uh, late last year. And then it, it might have been that much because he was, you know, a little bit later call up. But, you know, he, he had some offensive prowess. And then, you know, really 
hit the ground running this year and then, you know, maybe make some adjustments in the offseason um, and be ready for spring training as far as the glove goes and as far as the legs go. There, there's still an argument to be made that if your bat can help a, a very whimpering offense and a very streaky offense, which we just talked ad nauseum about, uh, there is still that that prospect that maybe it's okay to 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 challenge some guys and see what they have. Uh, I know that in the majors, though, it is a lot of the small things that a lot of people and a lot of the cameras don't catch. You know, like I mean, it, it is under a magnifying glass. So like when Torque has two errors in a game, it's 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 very apparent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's usually a pretty solid defensively but his peripheral defensive stats are not great um it's very obvious that scott thinks that that is what could happen to a to a colt keith or a justin henry malloy where it it would be worse than that where it's like it's not just two errors every once in a while it's like this could be rough and if if it is rough it, it brings the whole morale of the team down it brings your it brings the individual's um, their confidence down and they can't establish themselves. But every once in a while, if they get a hit, you know, it's like, eh, well, whatever. Um, but it, it's it's a fair point that you make where Parker Meadows has looked very, very good. I'm very interested to see what this uh, last month looks like, but really what his next spring training looks like. Because you know, I don't know if he has a, a spot on this roster, um, like like given to him, I guess is what I'm saying. Like clearly he, he has a place on this team. But if we make some smaller free agent signings or maybe go get a little bit bigger piece. Um, he's going to have to fight for a roster spot. So I, I'd like to see what, what that looks like. But Yeah, the outfield next spring training is going to be – it's going to be something to look at because we're going to, you know, hopefully, you know, all fingers crossed, we're going to have both Meadows brothers. We're going to have Riley Green, oh, no, I don't, Trey I don't Carpenter. Think, I don't think Austin Meadows is coming back. That's just a hot take. But I, that's, I don't Well, I mean, that was my all fingers crossed – like depends on which way he's not even if he's not there (laughs) even if even if austin is not there you're gonna have a ton of guys for those spots akil badu right like you said carrie carpenter riley green and then you know potentially a bat because somebody's got to hit right-handed at some point right yeah just so many lefties um but yeah awesome moment for him awesome moment for his family that was fantastic another point and another context point uh this was the game we were getting no hit through the seventh inning or whatever uh it looked really really bleak for a long time and i mean while we were getting on base which you know was uh not necessarily our own doing but just valdez being really really all around the zone and um hitting a few batters too we did not capitalize on any of those chances. And and Kerry Carpenter, actually, funny enough, was the one to break it up. Uh, he pinch hit. And so, you know, once we get that passed uh, and, and, and once we kind of get over that hump of getting the first hit, it's like, okay, maybe we can do something. But really, as I said, no business winning that game. Um, not to gloss over it, but Kerry Carpenter also did have a, a really clutch grand slam. We did not end up winning that game. It was against the Cubs. Very, very unfortunate because it was it was cool to to be out of the game and then be down by four, I think. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he ties it up uh, with that grand slam. Nothing really going on offensively until that big bomb. And then we just can't close it out. We ended up giving up a couple runs. Um, Brisky and, and Vasquez seem to be... Uh, 
struggling a bit and vest i want to point out will vest too they're mm-hmm. they're all equally struggling to to throw strikes right now our bullpen's in a weird probably bad place this second half um cisneros really struggling too there's a lot of weird it, it, it's just the way the season goes unfortunately a lot of fatigue um a lot of mixing and matching um but uh you know vasquez did get really exposed this week and uh you know kind of going in line with that argument I had with the whole Shreve thing that we brought up. But he, he is starting to get hit around a little bit, and we'll see if his pitch mix changes at all. But um, another notable thing that, that happened was JV came back to Comerica for the second time this year. We didn't think we'd see him again after um, you know he got uh, he signed the big free agent contract with the Mets, and we thought the Mets were going to be great. But then obviously things did not go well in Queens, and they had to um, dismantle whatever Cohen was trying to build. And so they they shipped him off to the Astros, and ironically, one of his starts was going to be against the Tigers. Uh, what do you think of seeing JV again in his probably Hall of Fame jersey and hat, Houston Astros? I don't know what, what how this transpired, but we both kind of went into last week's pod assuming that he was gonna miss we were gonna miss him on their trip through and i'm not 100 percent sure when that changed it was just because of the off days the way the off days lined up like it, it, it right no i understand they didn't announce well happened. right no i know but they didn't announce verlander until that that friday like they 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 had not announced their pitching matchups until that friday that when we started that series and so it, it was very close they i think i mean in all for all intents and purposes, he did technically move up a day, quote unquote, but it was because of the off days. But yeah, continue. I don't know when exactly it happened, but I missed it until Saturday night. And I was like, oh. So you were surprised that JV was coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I do appreciate kind of baseball in general, kind of hyping up this Miggy versus JV. Uh, face off which was really cool to see it, it was it was a really fun moment between the two of them and you know there there is nothing else in baseball and no other fan base in any other sport can understand the connection that detroit tigers fans and just the city of detroit has with justin verlander nobody will be able to understand that like tigers fans do and it's very, very apparent every single time he comes to Comerica Park, he gets the loudest cheers, he gets a standing ovation, and it just shows what he meant to the Tigers in all of those years. And it's very, very, you know, almost heartbreaking to to watch it every time because, I mean, I don't know. I, I just wish we, I wish I would have not taken him for granted when he was Tiger, and I would have uh, appreciated him a bit more. I think it's most upsetting because of a lot of at least for me a lot of what i said about the hall of fame hat i i just i i think at this point it is pretty obvious that that he is going to the hall with the wrong hat on his head um, especially now that this is his second journey with the astros and he could potentially win another world series with them um i think his best days are it, there's a lot of recency bias with it right because his best days were clearly the 2011 and 2012 season right i mean you win not only do you win cy youngs you also won an mvp right that's usually reserved for position players and position players only mm-hmm. he won a world series with the astros 
in 2017. He had a great 2017 period with the Astros. And then he also had five other great seasons with them, four or five other great seasons with them. And so there's a lot of recency bias with that. But and, as and soon as you win that, yeah, go last ahead. Year. Yeah. He, well, he also won last year's World Series too. Jeez, yeah. But w- was he hurt or what, what was the situation? Was he there or was he? Because yeah. he just had, he just, okay, yeah. No, that's right. Yeah, he won Cy Young. Yeah, that's right. The Tommy John was beforehand. Yes, good call. That's why it, that's why it didn't feel like he always, he did pitch five seasons, but he didn't actually, or he, he was an Astro for five seasons, but it doesn't feel like he was because he was gone for a year and a right. half of it or whatever. Right. That makes sense. Um, he, when he is at his best, he is the most fun pitcher to watch for me. And and I mean, I've, I've said it before, but I literally purchased MLB TV to, to follow his starts. And so whenever he is doing anything, uh, whether he's in a, a Mets jersey, Astros jersey, I don't care. I, I pretty much drop everything and, and watch him. And so with how that game transpired, while the obvious line score and box score uh, was a blowout, when JV was pitching, we had a chance. We we really had our chances. JV did not have his best stuff. That much is clear. He was really, really struggling with his command. Had a lot of walks, which is very un-JV-like. And it was just another microcosm example of this team does not capitalize on opportunities that they really need to. I, I think I rage texted you four or five times at one point. I was seething. I was so mad. And it's cool to see Verlander do well. I don't want to see him do well against the Tigers. I really don't. Uh, I even had the thought of, like, I've never seen Verlander pitch in person. Um, I've never just never gotten lucky and never timed it up. I think you, you've seen him like twice, right? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, both times with the Astros, though, right? Uh, one time with the Tigers. Oh, okay. Lucky dog. Um. I've never been able to see him in person. And so I even had the thought when everything was kind of going down and they were like ramping up for pregame and stuff. I'm like, man, I really should have gone to the game today. Like that, that would have been a fantastic way just to get away from work and, and just, you know, do whatever. And, and finally get to say G CJV, uh, my favorite baseball player of all time. Uh, I'm very glad I did not go to this baseball game because I think I would have, I probably would have ended up in prison, honestly. I, I probably, I would have left before things got super bad because I don't think the Astros scored until, like, all their runs, like those seven runs or whatever, until, like, the eighth or ninth inning. So, like, I, mm-hmm. I probably, unfortunately, would have left before then. But it was when the game was close, like 2-0, 3-0, and we, we had plenty of opportunities. We had a lot of bad luck, um, one of them being another uh, pitch clock situation. Um, that that went our, uh, against us and against Fiedo, where uh, Ump basically just put a man on. I know it was only he was only down 1-0 after the pitch clock violation from Fiedo, but Fiedo could never get back in the at bat. And then Kyle Tucker hit a two run homer after that. It just felt like nothing could go our way, and and it was not chalked up all to bad luck. Because there were plenty of times, plenty of times when that game could have easily been tied up, if not everything going our, our way and us winning the game or, or at least having a lead at some point. Astros are good. I get it. They're, they're a good hitting baseball team. Fajardo is, is pretty locked in, but I mean, you know, three or four earned runs in the first five or six innings is, is not awful, right? And so that's still conquerable as a baseball team. And we just could not get anything going. Um, 
but like you said, I love I love like what you said. The, the Miggy and, and Verlander matchup was awesome. It was it was must see TV. Uh, didn't end up amounting to anything. Uh, JV didn't uh, face him even twice. Um, I think Miggy's now zero and four or over four with for him uh, against him rather. And so there was nothing too crazy about it. Uh, Miggy didn't get a hit or anything, but then Miggy got some revenge on the Astros proper later in the game when he just hit his third home run of the game. But uh, any other thoughts on that Verlander game? No, I mean, even the Astros series in general, we did have some chances in that series. We sh- we we were in the one game that we, we sh- should have won, and we, and we won the game that we should have won out of the series. All things put together, and I, I was not as like very like physically upset as you were just because like when it comes down to it it's the defending al champions like you said they're a great baseball team but when it comes down to it this tigers team is young and streaky and inexperienced and you know the only reason we are technically in third place is because we're in the al central so it's especially 17 to 4 it like you can't you can't take that very seriously anyway because, A, you've got Carson Kelly pitching for an extended period of time in that game. And, and two, like like you said, they're just streaky. These guys are streaky. They're, they're not going to do the good baseball play. They're not going to, you know, play the good, you know, team game every single time because they're young, they're inexperienced, and they're all going to make mistakes. And even the guys that aren't young and inexperienced, you know, it's we're still working through some bad roster decisions and some guys that probably shouldn't, you know, be in this position now. So I was not that uh, that upset by this. We won the one game, and we both predicted we would win one game out of the series. So I know, we but playing. when it actually happens... <laughs> It's frustrating. <laughs> it's so frustrating when it actually comes to fruition and this team, it's just like why why can we not just have some timely hitting? Just every just every once in a while. I know it's a long year and at some point you got to realize that it's a it's a game of you know averages and, and sums at some point and so you got to realize like okay, there are times when they get the timely hit, but this last week very few timely hits. Um as we said, allowed a lot of runs, just even besides that, yeah, that seventeen run game too. So, yep, hundred um, percent. As I had mentioned before, this is our last pod in August, and of course, when we turn the calendar over to September, Major League Baseball they expand the roster by two spots. Used to be you could call up the entire forty man roster for some odd reason, and you would have literally. 20 some odd guys in the bullpen or in the, in the bullpen in the dugout uh thank god they've they've uh, relinquished that and now it is only two players that we uh that we call up um typically it's from the triple a toledo mud ends um and so last week we talked a little bit about some possible names and some names that maybe will not come up for these september call-ups um but i thought we would just go on record and go ahead and say exactly who we think that the tigers are going to call up now an important note that happened transactionally um, and roster construction-wise uh, a couple days ago. Uh, Isan Diaz was DFA'd. 
Um, so he and he is now elected free agency as of tonight. So uh, he is no longer in the organization. He was had I think a few plate appearances and I don't think he ever got a hit. Um, but the important thing for us is that opens a 40-man roster spot. So the 40-man now sits at 39 players. Now, some comments from Scott today on the radio insinuate that this is not for a Justin Henry Malloy or a Colt Keith. And I think if that, if you kind of play that uh, out, it might not even be for anyone in Toledo. There might be some kind of waiver claim happening. So it might not matter for the September call-ups, but it leaves a little bit of hope. Just a little bit of hope that there could be some interesting uh, players making their debuts for the Tigers coming in September. So, Josh, who are your picks to take up the last two roster spots in September? So with the state of the bullpen as it is now, and it is in shambles, as we as we're all aware. Uh, if this if this kind of the trajectory of this team is going to continue, I think they'll end up going with at least one pitcher, maybe two. You could look at a guy like Sawyer Gibson Long. I mentioned him last week. He had another pretty good start uh, for Toledo since the last pod. I mean, you're probably gonna probably gonna see Wingenter again at some point. Just that's the way the team has gone. Uh, if we're thinking pitching side out of the box, I could see them maybe give uh, Kyder Montero uh, a look. I know he started the year in West Michigan, but he's pitched pretty well uh, as well in Toledo, all things considered. So that uh, Montero is kind of my out of the box uh, kind of idea. But if we're talking position players, we're not going to see Colt Keith this year. We're definitely not going to see Justin Henry Malloy this year. We're going to see guys like, I think, that might give uh, Ryan Kreidler a look. He's already on the 40-man. He's hitting pretty well since he got back from his injury. Uh, we're probably going to see Tyler Nevin at least one more time. He's hitting very, very well. He's still on the 40-man for some reason, but he's hitting very well in AAA. Um the one guy I think that we I would be very, very interested to see and I think kind of fits the mold of what the Tigers are looking for, what Scott Harris is looking for, and is somebody that uh, A.J. Hinch would really enjoy kind of being able to put in spots is uh, Wenzel Perez, switch hitter. He could play all over the infield, uh, and he's having a really good year in AAA. So that would be my one, my one kind of maybe out of left field, no pun intended, uh, pick would be uh, Wenzel Perez. Okay, gut check. Lock them in. Who is it, who is it going to be? The two the two picks. Lock them in. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Wingenter and I'm going to go with Kreidler. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with our old friend alert, Joey Wentz as, uh, as the first one. I think they want to see if he can handle a bullpen spot i don't think they're they're gonna put him in the rotation he'll just he might spot start right i think it'll kind of ease up some uh some innings on uh i mean they're they're fast approaching some inning limits for for fiedo and and mm-hmm. results and both um so i think joey wentz is is definitely the the one of those picks uh sorry spencer turnbull not you um and he had another I, awful start really <laughs> <laughs> and uh nick maton Nick Nick McDonough is is uh, 
is the next guy. Uh, I'm not saying that this is going to be the exact way September plays out and that these are the guys that will be there for the entirety of September. They still obviously can make moves and send some people up, send, pe- send some people down. But I do not think there's going to be any excitement with these first two call-ups. Um, yeah. If they decide to give anyone a look, I could see a world where Kreidler comes back just because he has had such an injury-plagued year. I don't know what his AAA stats are right off the top of my head, um, but they might want to see if there's anything left there. I don't. The problem is, like, I don't think two weeks or three weeks or whatever really gives you any kind of example of what you have left. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's tough to, to put a guy in that situation. Um, I, I do love the idea of a Sawyer Gibson Long or a Kyder Montero um, or, or, you know, on the position side of Wencio Perez. Uh, but if we're not seeing the Henry Malloys and the and the Colt Keiths of the world, we're definitely not seeing a Wenzel Perez of the world. Um, I guess there's a little bit of more hope if you're Wenzel Perez just because he is on the 40-man, um, unlike those uh, last two, the latter two that I just mentioned. But there, there's a there's not a lot of hope for that. Uh, interestingly enough, too, I uh, just kind of looking through it and seeing who's on the 40-man, who's not on the not who is not on the 40-man. Uh, Eddie Slennard, the guy we got for cash considerations from the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. He is on the forty man. He mm-hmm. is on the forty man. So I, I there might be a world where they want to see that too. He actually has not looked bad in his triple A his triple A tenure. Um especially if the Dodgers I, I don't know exactly what he's done with Toledo, but uh they, that could be a little sneaky pick too. But locking it in, Maton and Wentz. Very anticlimactic. But it's the it's the unfortunate reality exactly the unfortunate reality of where we're at. Um, more of just an injury note and, and something very exciting. We can riff off this for a bit, but uh, nothing too too crazy um, to to get too excited about. But Casey Mize has has made a big step in his uh, rehabbing and his return back from Tommy John. Um, he finally threw to live hitters. Um, I believe he, I think Riley hit against him, um, and I think Parker uh, took took some swings against him. I uh, threw, I think, 20 pitches, uh, mostly fastball and, and, and breaking ball slider, you assume, uh, heavy. I don't think he threw any splitters. Who even knows if he's going to throw the splitter anymore post-Tommy John? Um, a lot of uh, doctors and a lot of um, advanced body analysts, all the people that they pay big money for all that stuff. A lot of people say that the splitter is one of the hardest on your elbow as far as torque goes. Um, And so, you know, realistically, does does he change up the grip a little bit to, to, you know, more have a less of a, you know, a a tumbling action and more of a, you know, drop on his, you know, change up or whatever. He he definitely has to mix speeds somehow, but uh, to to do that flex in your elbow with the splitter is is probably not good long-term. So could be our last days on the Casey Mize splitter, but mostly fastballs. I heard he was sitting at like 95, um, 96, 97, uh, maybe touched a couple times. But this is very, very early on in his uh, in his process to to begin the the prop the prospect of coming back. Now, um, I guess two questions for you. One, what do you what do you think of of what you saw? Um, I, I don't know if you ever saw a couple of those videos, but there were a couple of videos floating around on Twitter. Uh, and then two, do you think that he at least gets like a rehab start this year? What are your thoughts? It's going to be kind of tricky for him. I did see this the the few videos out there. He looks good. Uh, he looks like his normal self. Obviously, he's rehabbing and 
isn't his normal self, but uh, it's going to be really tricky for him. And the reasoning behind it is I think they're going to want to do at least two more bullpens with him, if not more. And by that time, you start to get to the place where a lot of those uh, lower level minor league teams have uh, finished up their year, finished up their season by that point. So you start to get to the point, well, do you really want him rehabbing in double or triple A? I don't think they want to do that. Uh, the one thing I think that they could, uh, I mean, I don't, they could send him to Lakeland because I know they play a little bit later. Uh, a lot of those like spring training facilities teams play a little bit later as well. I don't know. I just would hesitate to even push the issue with him. I would maybe see what he can do in these last couple bullpens and then say, okay, we like where you're at and and kind of manage it through the offseason and get him ramped up for, for spring training. It's going to be our first spring training in four, five years that is just straight up, you know, starts on time, no interruptions, no distractions, straight up spring training, baseball as usual. And I think that'd be good for him to just go into it clean and have his fresh start and kind of see where he's at and see what he can bring. That that would be my wish for him. I not not to say that I don't think I, I don't want him throwing for the Tigers, but I just would feel a lot better about him moving forward if he didn't press the issue this early. It's interesting too because we still don't really know what we have in Casey Mize. You know, like we mm-hmm. we've had we've seen flashes, we've seen really really brilliant starts from him, and we've also seen some some lackluster things. Um, I, I think his transition from two seam predominantly to to four seam predominantly is is going to play up pretty well I, I i hope they keep him on that trajectory i i think fetter is is very four seam um very four seam pro pro four seam is what i'm gonna say uh four starters and then for for uh bullpen arms he, he seems to like the sinker a little bit more just to get those ground balls in the, in the bullpen those late games um so I, that transition really piqued some interest for me. Um, I, I will forever say that it is close to my favorite pitch in baseball, um, right next to the to the newly found sweeper that we've that we've established this year. Um, but the splitter is is always a fun pitch to watch. Um, I think when he had it, which was very very seldom, but when he had it, it was truly elite and like what a lot of scouts and everyone touted about when he was pitching in college. Um, but he needs to find something, whether it is that splitter or whether it is he's willing to make some some shift. That really was part of his identity for so long. And so I wonder if there's a little bit of ego, a little bit of pride behind that where he's going to still want to try to throw it. But I wonder if he's a better pitcher, if he changes the grip on it a little bit, maybe goes to a circle change um, with the same kind of action on it or just a traditional change up, whatever it may be. But I wonder if, if his you know pitch mix changes a little bit and if he's able to get some more swings and misses if he doesn't try to throw the splitter so much. But it's such a fun pitch to, to try to master that uh, it, it can be very rewarding. It just takes some time. Um, I I think Scooble was the one that said it, that this was the best he's seen Casey. Um, I don't know what the context of that was. I don't know if that was like... He was saying pure stuff, or if he was saying like actual game 
um, you know, implementation, like where, you know, like obviously he's seen Casey start many, many times. Was this like the most athletic he's looked, the most streamlined he's looked? Um, it seems to be that was some of the, what if, what, uh, Scooble was getting at. Um, so he, he definitely is, is on the right path. Um, it'll be good to, to have it, at the very least Scooble and, and Casey back in the, in the tandem and, uh, and hopefully Manning can stay healthy the rest of this year, cross fingers. It seems like he's going to be able to make his start here coming up, but fatigue and everything just wears off, uh, on, on these guys. And so, um, it's always the danger with, uh, with drafting these guys so high and then putting all your chips in on the pitching because it just seems to, to lead to injuries, but hopefully maybe in 2024, we finally get the one, two, three of in whatever order you want to put them in Scooble, Casey, and Matt Manning. That is a very, very promising idea that, uh, well, knowing our organization will not to come, will not come to fruition, but, uh, positive positivity. Um, quickly, I did kind of want to touch on some, uh, things that are happening around the league and, uh, with different organizations of baseball and whatnot. We are fast approaching, the end of the year obviously with one month left so we have a couple pennant chases that i want to highlight but then first we have we have a death in the family um shohei otani is most likely going to need his second tommy john surgery he has another tail tear in his ucl and i'm beside myself i i hate every time that he goes to the mound and then he has to walk out with the trainers this one was especially bad because he knew it wasn't just a blister because he wasn't looking at his fingers, um, and ultimately he he is going to most likely need another surgery. Um, the kid is so special, and I say this for for one reason and one reason only. This was a doubleheader that he that he hurt his arm and and really his his tear started to to manifest. He pitched the first game in that doubleheader, threw to like four batters, went in for imaging. Came off the mound, went in for imaging, knew he had a tear, right? Knew knew that this was a problem and knew that everything was crumbling around him because, oh yeah, by the way, your payday of 500 plus million, 600 plus million, God forbid, is probably tarnished. Uh, he went out and he still hit, still was serviceable at the plate. And then he hit like a double in the game two, and he still came out in the lineup. I wouldn't show my face, dude. I I don't know, and I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's just me being like a terrible person, or whatever. I would be crushed. He's so much more mature. He's only twenty nine. He's so much more mature. He is so much more of a class act than anyone else on that field. He is just awe inspiring. But it is it is very very sad. Now, you have been dare I say, transitioned. I transitioned into an Otani fan. Is that is that fair to say? You you have come to to appreciate the Otaniisms of the world. Is that is that a correct statement? I, I never did not appreciate Otani, but I've fair. definitely come to the point that you are at, quite quite close to where you're at in my okay. in my appreciation for Otani. Okay. Do you think that Shohei Otani still deserves a $500 million contract, even though he will not be pitching for most likely two years? Where do you fall on this? There is so much conjecture about this now. I would dare say even more than before. 
And it's because the situation is very, very interesting. Because now, rather than teams trying to value basically two full superstar players in one body, now teams are trying to evaluate what do they even have? Like, is his hitting going to suffer? Is, you know, what does his pitching come back and look like? How do they value that in a long-term contract? Do teams even want to give him a long-term contract? I think the the overwhelming consensus is that teams are still going to pay quite a pretty penny to try to get him. And, you know, that's, I think, a, a prudent thing to do is to still investigate and... If this doesn't get more teams involved, then I don't know what will. It's just so difficult because what's your what's your what gets you to five hundred million in a lot of these scenarios is the length of the contract. A lot of these players they get to this big huge round total. Guys like Trey Turner, guys like oh man, uh, Aaron Judge. The guys who have gotten these recent deals, they've all got there because they've gotten 10, 11, 12, 13-year deals from these teams. And that allows the teams to kind of spread that money out over these years. The only way that Otani's going to get 500 mil is if he if this goes eight-plus years at the minimum. And I just don't know as a major league team how you can invest that kind of money and time into a player that you don't even know what you're going to get yes if you get peak hitting even while he's rehabbing from tommy john like he's said he wants to do is that worth 500 million i don't think it is because i don't think his hitting alone is worth 500 mil i think he's easily the best hitter in baseball at any given time and that would be worth somewhere in the 300 to 400 million range no matter how you structure the contract. But I just don't see how you, with all of the unknowns and, and everything involved, I just don't see how that big, huge, fat number can, can kind of show itself in, in, in how this plays out. You bring up a really interesting point about the, the large number and, and whether or not um, the years are really what get us there. I do wonder why we're so fixated on that big number because there's a reality where Shohei Otani really does sign, uh, you know, a Verlander-like contract where he's making forty-three million a year, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's only eighty million or you know, one hundred and twenty million or whatever, but it's forty million a year. You know, I mean, like it's it's like that that number AAV at you know way way more interesting than that big number because I think you're right. I think it, it's going to be tough for a team to really look at this and say, yes, he he has passed all the physicals. You know, he <laughs> he clearly has uh, superstar potential in both categories. But right now, we're kind of only getting one part of that. I'm not going to say we're only getting one half. Because that's not, I don't think that's true. I think, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to bring up some stats here in just a second. But really, like, you know, even when he goes down for Tommy John, he's not done. He's still going to DH. I mean, we're in a situation right now where he just played against the Mets. Um, or was it the Yankees? I can't remember. It was, it was, he was in New York. Uh, and I can't remember which team he was playing against. I but it was the Mets, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's now 
well known that th- this surgery or at least the second opinions are, are incoming. And so would you just sit down and, and just come take it? No, he, he's still DHing. He, he was, a, I think, a homer or a double shy of the cycle the other night. Um, and then the, the Mets intentionally walked him, and so he couldn't do anything about it. Um, he's still hitting. He's still a, a menace at the plate. And so, you know, what do you do as a, as a GM or as a president or, in this case, an owner? Because the owners are going to make the final call on this kind of move because this is a big deal no matter which way you shake it. Uh, how do you evaluate that? And I, I guess starting with his first Tommy John surgery um, when he didn't pitch was 2019. That was, that was when he was out the entirety of the year. Um, you always say take out 2020 stats. So I'm going to use that religiously here, and I'm going to use that very liberally because his 2020 was bad. His 2020 was not great, but if you're if you always say take out 2020, we have to we're going to do it. Uh, he he batted he batted like 190. He actually did have an okay on base percentage, but 291, but not great. But 366 slugging, terrible. Um, take out that year, 2019, when he was down, recovering from Tommy John. He still had a 286 batting average, 343 OBP, and slugged over 500. His OPS was well over 800, almost 900. 2018, I think he won the Rookie of the Year in 2018. 285 average, 361 on base percentage, well over 500 slugging percentage, in the 900s OPS. This year... When he's been fully healthy until this freak accident just happened, and I mean, whether it's freak or whether it's not, you could predict this. Who knows? He is the best hitter in baseball, minus a Matt Olson out in the, with the Braves. But even Matt Olson isn't this well-rounded. He's batting 304 with a 409 on base percentage, well over 600 slugging percentage, and a well over a thousand OPS. Aaron Judge alone got 300 million for his amazing offensive statistics. Mm-hmm. He did he did hit 60 some on home runs. He did. He has injury concerns. Anyone who would look at that contract and say he's going to be healthy the entire of the year and it's already <laughs> it's already not paid off this <laughs> year, right? He's only played half the year. Right. There was injury concerns abound. We're rewinding the clock Two years, because Otani's only 29. Judge signed that contract when he was 32. He's pre-30, and he still is going to pitch. He's still going to pitch. It's just not going to be immediately. He he is going to go to a team that is going to guarantee to him, I will have a chance to make it happen. Whether or not I actually do, and this will all be in the contract language, this will all be handshake deal or whatever it is, whether or not I actually do, that's fine. If I, if I can't do it, I understand that I have to transition. That's okay. But he's going to be given the chance, and he's going to want the chance when it happens. And I think any team's going to really want him to do it too because, I mean, even just going go, kind of going by those statistics, he, he does hit better when he is pitching, ironically. He is a better overall player when he is on the mound and healthy. I think that's worth $500 million, dude. I like I I just with the way one the contracts are already kind of matching up 
one or two, how how everything has already kind of ballooned in in the contracts, you know, that have already been paid out and already you know already been signed. It just seems like five hundred million isn't that much of a stretch. Now six hundred million, seven hundred million, which is what some other numbers were were being thrown around. Uh, I don't think that happens anymore, right? And I, I think that in in some ways it actually adds some clarity. Uh, there's a lot of confusion too, right? Don't get me wrong with the injuries, but there's there's a little bit of clarity that you probably won't eclipse the five hundred million or, or surpass the five hundred million, I should say. But if you even look at it, if he did a short-term deal where he did do forty-five million a year, right? If you extended that out for however many years it would take, I mean, technically you could say, that, yeah, he did sign for five hundred million. It's not guaranteed, right? But I mean, if you're Shohei Otani, you're going to take forty-five million a year. Yeah, I just really think th- that's very true. Everything you said, like I could definitely see that happening, especially with the baseball landscape being what it is. Here's the thing. If anything happens, it's going to be he's going to sign a three or four year deal for 40 plus million dollars. And at that point, he's going to be 32, 33. And he can then sign, you know, sign his 400, 500 million dollar deal at that point, too. Especially if he comes back at pitch as well. I think it goes down to the wire, too. I think. He's going to still be looking for 11 or 12 year deals. And I'm not oh, sure that I think a lot of a lot of teams are going to be reluctant to do that. And it's going to be a Correa situation. Not not quite much like oh I'm going to sign with three different teams and all three are going to look at my medicals and <laughs> balk at that. But I, I think it is going to be a situation where there's a lot of a lot of teams in play, even more teams maybe now. Um, I would really like Scott Harris and Chris Illich to take a long, hard look at something like a Shohei Otani contract and really see if they can make it work. Because what do we need to replace really badly next year? Miguel Cabrera at DH. Now, there are plenty of other opportunities in the organization that players could do that, yes. But if you're Kerry Carpenter, I don't think you want to be a DH. I think you like challenging yourself in the outfield. I think, now, not to say that he's going to, ever be a full-time outfielder no he can play some times at dh and riley green clearly they they want to protect him a little bit but we need a full-time dh this somehow plays into into teams that are like kind of on the fringe everyone was going to check in on tommy everyone was going to just see what what the status was now it becomes a reality for a lot of these fringe teams um he's said before and he'll say it again he really loves the west coast and really only wants to pitch for or i guess play in this case for um, west coast teams obviously the yankees are going to make a play obviously the potters are going to make a play um and and i think it'll make the sweepstakes more interesting but just overall so unfortunate for for this to happen when it did um if it it even happens earlier this year i think it, it adds a little bit more clarity um, because now there's there's been time. He's already had Tommy John. Maybe he even starts rehabbing to come back as DH. But just the timing and everything is just so unfortunate. And I flippin' hate that you're right. Like I just I hate that because you, you. I mean you're you are. Like, I mean like we have to admit like he is a ticking time bomb. And and he is not gonna have the last three years all the time. You know it's just your body just cannot take it. And it's so unfortunate. But uh, did you have any more thoughts on it? Uh, no, I, I really don't. But one thing I wanted to make sure, bringing this back into the Tigers realm a little bit, I would not trust this organization with Shohei Otani. I would hate to sit here and be like, 
in five, six years, I would hate to sit here and be like, yeah, Shohei Otani was really great when he played for the Angels, and you know he had that Tommy John, and then the Tigers got a hold of him, and then his whole career went down the tubes because he kept getting injured, and just that it feels like how that would go with the Detroit Tigers, especially how their roster health has been the last three years. It just I I would not want to be a fan of a team that could like is is wasting the greatest talent to ever play the game. It's just I'm terrified of that scenario. Well said. Well said. Fair enough. Um, things are heating up out west, dude. Things are heating up in these pennant races. Do you see the Mariners are in first place? <laughs> I just, before we started recording, pulled up the standings, and I was like, oh, hold on, what is happening in the AL West? Dude. What just, what's going on? It, it's it's insane. I, I don't, I, they, they, another team that sold in, in the, during the trade deadline, they got rid of Seawald. Um, maybe that was a clubhouse thing. Maybe it just wasn't working out, right? But then they held on to Teoscar Hernandez who was really struggling in the first half. I don't know what he's doing now. I don't know if he's like a catalyst part of, of the resurgence, but J-Rod's doing it, dude. I mean, I think, uh, well, one, he had that 17 hits in four games or whatever, and that was like insane, and we talked a little bit about it uh, last week. But he also has been the quickest Mariner to, um, is it 50 career home runs or 100 career home runs? I can't remember. I, I think he only has 50. Um but he's he's been the fastest Mariner to like that stat. So I just the Mariners, they're just clicking, and it's it's cool. I I I like the Mariners. I don't have anything. I don't have any qualms against them, if you will. Um, they're a fun team to watch, uh, and it's nice that it's it's kind of taken down the the Texas Rangers, who of course spent a bunch of money, and so it's 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 funny to see the same thing that happened in the Mets. Obviously, the Texas Rangers are a much better team, but uh, money doesn't buy you everything can't buy you a World Series. And uh, Houston is obviously still right in that. Houston and, and Texas are actually tied with the half game back of the Mariners. So it's going to go right down to the wire. It's it's going to go right down to the wire. And maybe even a game 163. Maybe even a potential of that because now there's yeah. three teams in it. They don't, and so they don't they, do that anymore, Case. Oh, they don't? It's not, it's not a thing. There's all of these tiebreakers that you got to get through before you oh, can. jeez. Was that part of the CBA? Am I just so late to that party? Uh, no, I think that was a unilateral Manfred no. decision. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So yeah, besides the West, uh, I think there's. Uh, I mean, the NL wild card is is definitely going to go down to the wire. Um, but it, it's it's fun to look at other baseball teams and other bra- baseball organizations and, and other divisions at this point and say, wow, those are meaningful baseball games. <laughs> But I don't know. Are there any uh, are there any interesting teams that you're on the lookout for? Any interesting divisions you're looking at? I mean, it, it's it's so interesting to see the teams that did buy, did sell, and how they're now doing. And something that's very uh, intriguing to me: Marlins bought, still fighting in that wild card race. Reds did nothing, and they're standing still in the you know some would say the second worst division in baseball the NL Central I I think that's probably going to be one of the biggest disappointments of the year is that this hot really fun to watch Reds team did nothing at the deadline and ends up either just barely squeaking into the playoffs or not even making it um the Philadelphia Phillies are 
you know, we we do have a slight vested interest in the Phillies with our our guy Lorenzen. Doing you mean half things. of our team on the Philadelphia? Yeah, got it. Okay, yeah, cool. Dave Vrabelski and Scott Harris really like each other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they they've taken off this second half and played the way that everybody thought they would. They're getting healthy with Harper getting better, and just they've played really well. And you know they played up to expectations, and now they're, you know, they're definitely not going to be challenging the uh, Braves at any point. Mm-hmm. But but that wild card, they that are, first wild card spot, they have taken it by the throat. Yeah, they're four games up in that first wild card spot. It's it's interesting you say that too because this is the same thing that happened last year. They are just not a first half team. They just they just cannot get things together. I don't know if it takes, um, yeah, kicking the butt or if it takes some clubhouse acclimatization you know what whatever it is that it just for some reason they are a second half ball club and they they really kick in the gear uh, I think it's cool to still see Arizona and uh in Chicago holding on um Bellinger is obviously back to being Bellinger with the Cubs um so that's that's cool to see they held on to him and then um yeah Arizona is just a cool story and then potentially maybe the Reds could still sneak into into something um of course that'd be a fun team just to watch get into the postseason and just see what you can run with um but those are those are some exciting teams to to keep an eye out for not our detroit tigers though maybe next year maybe next year uh josh we have been putting off the uh the the rules and review section of the pod for for a couple weeks do you want to do an extra long pod tonight and 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 uh and have it ready for for the wonderful listening ears of of the people tomorrow or or do we want to punt it again and give it its due um you know i, I think it's going to be a, you know, deservedly so rather longer discussion so I'm, I'm gonna leave it to you what do you what do you want to do let's let's send it one last time let's send it uh to, to next week the folks can, okay. yep. can look forward to that i think we're going to try to put it towards the beginning of a pod because we we tend we, to we t- plan it for the <laughs> end and it always we blab on too long about other things it's that just are, a tough one to transition into like it's, a, it's such a positive thing you know what i mean it's like it, there's a lot of positivity to talk about with it but transitioning from from some of the 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 tiger stuff not even positive or negative but just anything in general it's like eh, it's a little a little tough to fit in there so yes you're right we should probably put it a little bit higher so we don't just keep on kicking it down the kicking the can down the road but okay we'll do it next week uh we have three more games against new york as we said we are already off to a rough start in this yankee series but we have three more at home and then we go to chicago and play the dismal white Sox. kind of excited for that series how, how do we do the rest of the week Man, as of Friday, I had a lot better outlook in my head about how this week of games is going to go. I mean, if you had to pick a week of games that you want the Tigers to do well in, this is it. I mean, the the Yankees, who are all but assured of missing the playoffs, the White Sox, who are in shambles, and somehow I think we end up losing more games than we win. It's just this. It's just how this this is shaping up. Maybe whatever they do for the September call-ups gets a shot of energy to this team. It really feels like they're just kind of drifting right now with the last kind of week of games. Just n- nothing going the way it should. Minus just a couple of bright spots. <clears throat> I say we win a total of three games in the next week. 
I hope they're all against the White Sox, and I hope we sweep them. I don't even care. I don't even care what we do against the Yankees. It's fine. I, I, I do care. But I, I will be sad if they lose. Don't get me wrong. But I want to sweep the White Sox so bad. I I I, whew, I hate the White Sox. I dislike them. Uh, we have no idea what pitching matchups look like. Um, I know for the rest of this York series, I think we have, let me quick check. I know we have Manning going at some point. We have Scooble going tomorrow. Um, oh, yeah, and that's right. Yeah, so we have Scooble, and then we have TBD and TBD. So there's a potential for a bullpen game or uh, a capital mystery starter. Who knows? We're unsure. But uh, I would say three games is a fair bet. Um, if we sneak one of this one of these uh, games against the Yankees, that'd be great. For some reason, they just like to play us and like to hit a bunch of home runs against us, and we don't like to hit against them. It's the um, ALEs, dude. Oh, dude, you're right. Yeah, that is just... They have been our kryptonite all year. And then, uh, yeah, if we if we win the series against Chicago, great. If we sweep them, even better. Even better. Josh, where can the kids find us? We are on the socials. At Old English Pod, at all of our socials. If you guys got this far in the podcast, shoot us a message. I post the new episode every single week on all of our social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter. If you guys get to this part, you get an hour and 15 minutes into this podcast, comment on the post about who you think the Tigers are going to call up on September 1st. Let us know. We want to hear it. We want to hear from you guys. For sure. Thank you guys so much. Josh, thank you so much for joining me. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, go 